to Project Vox Populi, where the people speak their truth. Welcome to Project Vox Populi, where the people speak their truth. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And to listen to the entire interview, go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. Here's some background about tonight's witness on Vox Populi. His name is Bruce L. Stibor, spelled C-T-I-B-O-R. Recently, Mr. Stibor made contact with Veritas Radio because he wanted his story to be told. He claims there have been numerous attempts on his life. On that message, Mr. Stibor stated that he was involved with special operations, the Navy, and other undisclosed government entities. Mr. Stieber claims he flew the SR-71 Blackbird. The Blackbird is a titanium-skinned supersonic spy plane created by Scottworks in the 1960s. He claims that in 1990, he flew the SR-71 and broke the speed record. He says even though he was the pilot, he was recognized as the ROS, Reconnaissance Systems Officer, because he had two years left before retiring. He claims there are photographs showing him exiting the front seat, the pilot seat. His code name was Starman, and Joe Buck was the other occupant. The latter has not been confirmed. Mr. Stieber claims he also flew the TR-3B Aurora spacecraft. When asked to give an explanation of how the latter operates, he refused to elaborate due to it being classified information and for national security reasons. He claims he flew as far as Jupiter at 85% the speed of light. He has been on the moon and other celestial objects in our solar system and beyond. He briefly explained how he was able to withstand such speeds, even though he says he felt sick when traveling at such speeds. When asked if any of these off-the-record activities were included on his DD-214, that's his certificate of release or discharge from active duty, he says they were not. He admits he is putting his life in danger, and all he wants is to be recognized for what he has done so that he can obtain proper medical care. We requested a copy of his DD-214, and he promptly complied. I can share with you that his full name is Bruce Lamont Stebor. His department component and branch is Navy, USA. His social security number has been confirmed and I have confirmed also the authenticity of the DD-214 via the Division of Veteran Services. The following is a list of decorations, medals, badges, citations, and campaign ribbons awarded or authorized. Combat Action Ribbon, Meritorious Unit Recommendation, Navy E Ribbon, Good Conduct Medal for period ending November 30th, 1991, National Defense Service Medal, Vietnam Service Medal, Navy and Marine Corps Overseas Service Ribbon, Sea Service Deployment Ribbon, and Republic of Vietnam Campaign Medal. Transfer to Fleet Reserve Effective June 1st, 1992. The type of separation? Transfer to Fleet Reserve. Character of service? Honorable. Grade, rate, or rank? MM1. Pay grade E6. Separation code NBD, which means retirement 20 to 30 years of service. Reentry code RE2. And my conclusion, 
I can only confirm the authenticity of the DD-214 document and the decorations mentioned on said document. However, and per confirmation of Mr. Stevor, none of his participation in black projects, for lack of a better term, are included and cannot be confirmed via traditional channels. Mr. Stevor confirmed that he endured several quote-unquote mind control or brainwashing sessions which prevents him from having full recollection of his entire experiences. When asked if he believes some of his memories have been erased or altered, he confirmed this is a possibility. When asked if these sessions may include episodes in which misinformation or disinformation may have been induced, Mr. Stieber could not deny the possibility. In summary, all we can confirm is that Mr. Stieber was honorably discharged from the U.S. Navy. Confirmation about other details might be hard or impossible to authenticate. We are releasing the interview as is, with the caveat everything beyond what the Form DD-214 includes remains unconfirmed. So use your discernment. Let's listen. Hello, Bruce, and welcome to Veritas and Vox Populi. Hello there. You pronounce your last name, is it? it it's Stebor is how it is pronounced. It's like S-T-E-B-O-R. It is ancient spelling. It's Bohemian. It probably goes all the way back to Greece. It's ancient, but it's not as old as Jehovah. Okay. C-T-I-B-O-R. I think it stands for ruler of the Black Forest or something like that in that area. Okay. All right. Well, Bruce, as I mentioned before, we spoke briefly in the last couple of days. I would like to go in chronological order. Why don't you start telling us your story, where were you born, when were you born, and go from there. I was born in 1949 in Whittier, California at Murphy Memorial Hospital. Spent uh, nine years in the Whittier area. My father moved around a lot, did many things, a printer, truck driver, etc. And uh, we moved up to the San Joaquin Valley and I pretty much grew up there, and uh, from there I went on into the military out of Modesto. And uh, I did 20 years uh, active duty, uh, 10 years reserve, and I did all kinds of things. It started out uh, on the USS San Jose uh, uh, in Vietnam and uh, immediately started into special ops on top of that. I've been burning my candles ever since, all the way up to... 1992 when I got out of active service and I retired up in the inland northwest and uh, a lot of things uh, happened uh, fighting with the VA system to get everything right uh, had nightmares about all the things I really did they pretty much brainwashed me uh, uh, to make me forget everything and if you don't believe in the Manturian candidate you're full of crap that that they they know how to do even more. What branch of the military, Bruce? I started out in in the Navy. And from there, I went into special ops. I retired as in the Navy. But they sent me, uh, I did all kinds of things in battle, and they made deals with me on some of the things I did. Uh, I had privileges. I wanted to fly. I wanted the space program. And they let me do all that. So how how do you progress from regular military to these more exotic realms? 
in special ops. I started out, there was over 200 people, and we went went through training, uh, various training in combat, uh, hand-to-hand. They made us, I went in as a cop, and because of the special ops and the places they sent me and things like that, they, we went through a, a, a flight school, and uh, I've been through every survival school there is to uh, that they had to offer, and they found out I could fly, and it went from there, and then uh, they, uh, because of some of my injuries, I got shot up quite a bit. Uh, the space program is really sketchy, and they they had to do a lot of things to prepare me for that and make sure I was fit before the, uh, I started doing a lot of things. When you say the space program, is this more the secret space program or one that we're aware of? Uh, it, it was uh, both at, uh, at first, uh, and uh, it, it, it went more secret and, and very secret, and then I, I uh, was sent to Portsmouth uh, early on uh, at, at to cryo school uh, that had to deal with the SR-71, learning how to operate it. Uh, it, it is cryogenically cooled. And uh, I, I operated cryo plants and then learned how to do the gases and stuff like that. And it went from there, went, uh, went worked a lot underwater to learn how to do things in space. You've seen it all on TV, did all that and eventually started uh, sending me up into space. I, I worked on satellites, prepared them. They wouldn't tell you when you, they were uh, their satellite was broke. That they, they sent me up and fixed it. Uh, how, how did uh, they send you up? Out of Vandenberg. They, did, uh, they do all kinds of stuff. They'd say that they're launching a satellite or something to that effect, but they didn't tell you there was people on board it. People on the rock, in, inside the rocket, do you mean? That's correct. They used a lot of the mercury capsules over and over and over again because they were small and it, it was an inconspicuous. So basically, they're just sending a rocket. People think it's just some satellite going up, but there's pe- people inside. So what happens, I mean, what kind of module is there that you can get out and fix that satellite? Because, you know, the last time I checked, it was the space shuttle that did these repairs. Well, that was part of the cover. They did do a lot of the sensitive repairs with that, but uh, they were sending people up there all the time, like in mercury capsules. They even have a shuttle there at uh, Vandenberg, and they even, uh, yeah, you heard about uh, some of the Apollo missions. Well, they disassembled everything and took it over there, and yes, there was three more Apollo missions. There were three more Apollo missions. Oh, what yeah. numbers, what what were the numbers then, the real numbers? It, it ended at 20. 20. Yeah, and the Russians went with this. All that stuff you've heard is right. So we went to the moon, in your opinion? I know. I was there. You were there? The backside of the moon is a junkyard. There's a couple of big, large vessels there that are crashed into the moon. A whole bunch of small ones, bodies, you name it. We brought two back. Okay, tell tell me more about that. Okay, they looked oriental, blue skin. They had a metallic type suit. Uh, their heads were a little larger. They were skinny. They were both female. One one of the females had tubes running out of its forehead to its eyes and its nose. It fell apart. We had body bags with us in case something happened with us, and we shoved the one body in there and the head on the other, and we brought it back. I have heard nothing about it since. 
Yeah, I've seen I've seen all this on TV. All the pictures I've took and everything on the moon and all that stuff. I've seen it. Someone's got that information. I I took the pictures. So the the videos on the web were they call it the Mona Lisa. It looks like a basically all I can say. It looks like a Native American female with tubes coming. Through. She has something in her eyes and her nose. Is that what you're referring to? That's exactly what I'm talking about. It has a light blue skin. Well, in that case, she looks kind of brownish. No. And what did they find? Uh, I mean, what do you know about that corpse that was recovered from the moon? I only follow orders. I go out and do what they told me to do, and I didn't ask questions I did not need to know. And if I knew something, they would torture me. They'd threaten to kill my entire family, me last, and all that stuff you hear about. They broke my neck twice. I was in, in, in Saigon when it fell. Let's go back to Vietnam then. Tell me about your Vietnam experience. I was at Saigon when it fell. I spent three years there. I was there from the first part of 73 all the way to the end. And uh, because of the special ops, I was a CTF AFP, a commando task force, armed forces police. That's how we all got started. There was 12 of us in the beginning. I replaced six others that they had all, uh, that were killed uh, prior to there in the Philippines. They got bushwhacked. But anyway, uh, in that whispering wind in Saigon, we were all part of that. And we all got shot up getting in and out of there. I uh, was in that helo. I was that third-class machinist made shore patrol hanging on the skids, if any of you could remember that. And, and you see me get, uh, I drop off of that, I get shot in the arm, and uh, there was a Marine that was shot in the chest, uh, the uh, gunship comes in with the, the, the other helo behind it, clears the crowd, I'm sitting there with me and the Marine, I pick him up, take him to the helo, put him in there, he was shot in the chest, but he survived, his, all I know is he was a Marine Sergeant, his first name was Mike, and... They told me to get in the last helo. I get in that last helo. It leaves the airport. It's getting the crap shot out of it. Yeah, I was only shot nine times that day. They covered up the whole thing. I was treated in the Philippines and there for three months. I went back and forth to Yokosuka, Japan, for patchwork. You can hardly see all the things that have been done to me, but you put me under a uh, UV light or something, I light up like a road map. And none of this is on record. I've been shot over 22 times doing dirty deeds for Bush. For Bush? Yeah, I worked directly for Bush. And this and is when uh, he was the CIA director or the ambassador to China? All of the above. I worked for him off and on for over 17 years. Okay, why can you tell us in chronological order? Well... He had complete control over me, uh, and, and you know about uh, the, the way he, he shut me up through torture and all this and that. I'd rather not discuss it all. For the listeners, this is George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush forty one, yeah, right? Senior. Yeah, I was an advisor to four of the presidents. They knew me as uh, Steve Roberts back there. They even sent me up with girlfriends, all kinds of stuff. Who knows what I got running around here? They they. they uh, they called us goonies because they'd, they'd hypnotize us. They'd 
have us do all kinds of weird things. We were uh, on like sodium pentothal, they'd hypnotize, they had complete control. They'd, they'd make us jump through loops or off a building if they wanted. So mind control. Yes. Maturing candidate, basically. Yes, and anybody that thinks that uh, whoever they, it, it, they can do it. They've been doing it. They learned all this technology from the Germans. It never stopped. You you trace it back. You see who did it and who took it over with the CIA, George, and how they just kept doing everything. Operation Paperclip. Yeah. They never stopped those diabolical experiments. You know, knows what they got going underground and elsewhere. So tell us about your experience working for Bush. Oh, gosh. What do you want to know? Everything. No, I can't tell you everything. It'd be well, incriminating. Wh- whatever is not classified. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to walk out of this building and they'd gun me down, because who knows if they're listening. Tell us what you can say. Well, I already did about the Manturian candidates, how they can control people. They've been uh, the, the, the Rockefellers, the Bushes, Ted Turner, the Queen. They're all, all been um, controlling everything for over 30 years. But what can you tell us about your experience working for Bush? Some of the things that you did that you can talk about. Well, I got to do some pretty miraculous things like going to see what's really on the backside of the moon. Uh, I got to fly some exotic exotic spacecraft that you know about. And that was one hell of a scary experience. Damn near killed me. Okay, let's go step by step then. How did you get to go to the moon? Did you pilot the ship or? I was on the lunar module. I, I was the climate control because of my cryogenic experience and all this. I I took care of the getting rid of the CO2, uh, atmospheric control, I, the vacuum pumps to, for the chambers and all this other stuff. And I, I handled the pressure. I was the engineer. Were you in one of those unknown Apollo missions. That's correct. Which one? 20. The last one? Yes. So the technology that we use to go Apollo 11 to Apollo 20, how do you compare one with the other? Well, every time was, uh, we learned more and more and more, and it got a little easier, but uh, the things that we learned and everything are, are very controversial, and, I, and you know, it would rewrite history. There's stuff on the moon that probably goes back 300,000 years, and we also know that there's stuff on Mars that's much, much older. There's even a monolith on a moon up there that's 700 feet tall. And, it, it, you know, I, I've done more than the average person could ever dream about. It is easier for me to tell you where I have not been than where I've been. Okay, well, let's talk about the moon first, and then we can go beyond. That monolith that I've heard about, did you see mm-hmm. it? I've been there. What's the purpose of that monolith? It looks like a huge antenna. What is it, and what is it for? We have no idea. We don't even know how the pyramids work, but we're trying to figure it out. We think, think there's some kind of way of generating power. Why haven't we gone back to the moon, Bruce? I don't know. Well, 
there was evidently a great big battle up there and things like that. The Russians have been losing daggum probes and stuff. I don't think someone wants us up there, whoever it is or whatever it is. And the backside of the moon, can you describe it? It's like the front side, only it's a junkyard of E.T. stuff. You can't see it because... It doesn't face us, right. doesn't face us. And they've used that to our, their advantage as a shield. Who's in control of the moon? I have no idea. What can you tell us about the moon? Is it a natural object or is it something else? It's made of the same stuff the Earth is. It's a little bit different, but a little drier. Uh, there is holes on the backside to where those people obviously lived mostly underground. We haven't explored them because we can't, don't know how to get into them, but we see evidence of structures to where they've dug. We couldn't even get into the spacecraft that, that was there because they, they, they weren't open. Where's the hatch? You see, we're in the 21st century, and I've always wondered why we don't have a camera up there that points at planet Earth 24-7. We do. And they have took photographs of that stuff on the first day of satellite they sent up there to do that. I was part of the deal because I'm an artist quite quite creative of dubbing that stuff before they released it to the public. They've been snowballing everybody for who knows how long. But the reason why I asked you, Bruce, is because every single image I've seen of planet Earth, some taken from the moon, some taken from elsewhere, are all CGI. They're all composites. I haven't seen one single picture where I'm convinced that it's the real deal. It's the, uh, There is real deal up there, and, and, and a lot of that stuff is dubbed, and it looks artificial because it is. Because they don't want you to know what the, what you're really seeing. There, there was something in it that they don't want you to know, like another spacecraft or something. No, no, no. I'm talking about planet Earth. Yeah. The images that we see of planet Earth are yes. all composites. I haven't seen one single image of planet Earth that seems real to me. Trust me, it's real. They, I, they photographed the Earth. They have cameras up there. That they, they did that on the Apollo missions. So well, I don't know if they're still working. Now, uh, the harshness of space is terrible. Radiation, it's like shooting holes and everything. Well, let me ask you, speaking of radiation, the Van Allen belt... NASA yes. is saying now that they're preparing suits for the astronauts in order to be able to go through the Van Allen belt. But we went through the Van Allen belt, allegedly, when we went to the Apollo missions to the moon. Well, of course, we've also been to the bottom of the ocean. They say it's not possible anymore. They're lying to you. They have, you want to know what the book of secrets is? It's a book of excuses for everything, how to cover okay. it up. Right, get that. But if there's a Van Allen belt as radiation and you yes. went through it on Apollo 20, how did you survive going through thousands of, I think it's about 3,000 miles of radiation, and then coming back? How did you survive that? Well, my teeth are falling out, all my bones are rotten, and my elbows, I have been affected. Now, they shield us with gold or gold foil or whatever. It's pretty good, but it doesn't get rid of it all. We are shielded, and if you spend enough time up there, it's far worse than it is down here because the, the, the Earth does have uh, the ozone, etc. It's all physics. It's all written there to, to read it. 
Okay. So the moon, when you went there for the first time, you walked on it or did you stay in the module? I walked on it. I took the pictures like of that. Uh, it's about a hundred yards square. It's a wall structure with a pyramid on every corner and one big one in the middle. And like I said, there's several other structures. They haven't they haven't shown them yet. Some of the they showed the one uh, cigar shaped uh, craft and, and the one uh, that saucer shaped that looks like a wheel within a wheel within a wheel. And these things are over a half mile in diameter or long. And half of them are sticking in the moon where they crashed. And when you say that you flew exotic spacecraft? Aircraft, yeah. Triangle. This, oh, are you referring to the TR-3B? Yes. Who do you think the idiot was that they got dumb enough to fly it? Me. When I flew that thing up, opened it up the first time... It knocked me out. I woke up an hour later. I was passing Jupiter, and I felt like a pancake. I was still accelerating. It took me two more hours to get the thing turned around and back to Earth. I was so far out there that the sun looked like a dot. They said that I went 85% of light speed. I don't know. They couldn't track me the other side of Jupiter. They lost sight of me. They, They thought I was gone. Tell me about the technology. All of the technology, that's all within me. It's going to take somebody to push the right button still, pull the right plug. This much I know that, I, that I'm still remembering every day. and it's, Some of it's like a nightmare. It's mercury-filled gyros that turn 40,000, 50,000 RPMs. There's three of them on the TR-3. That's why they call it a three. And they really didn't know how fast it would go. They got a computer to, uh, to control uh, the acceleration and everything, they thought that he had it below uh, 9Gs. Evidently, they did not uh, because it, it knocked me out. And I had to jog the thing to slow it down and turn it, or that would have knocked me out. How fast did they go? The thing that they said, tracking me, till they lost track of me, that I had reached 86% of light speed. 186,000 miles per second is light speed. See, I've seen, and many, many of our listeners have seen these triangular-shaped craft by using infrared goggles. We see them all the time. So this is no secret. Are those the same that you flew? Well, they move it around, but uh, mostly they keep it down in Southern California area. No, yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is that many people, even even I, have seen them with infrared goggles flying yes. above our heads. How yes, many yes. are there? How many are there in our fleet? And since when have they been available? Well, it uh, they, they it takes them up to about the, when I was doing it thirty years ago, seven years at that time to make one, and uh, I haven't done it for thirty years. So you do the math. I flew the first one. So you actually piloted. That's correct. I was the test pilot. I was the guinea pig. I've been the the lab rat or guinea pig or monkey for Uncle Bush there and Uncle Sam or whatever you want to call it, those people that are controlling everything. I, I worked for them. They, they, they had control of me. What kind of propulsion system does it use? Is it anti-gravitic? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, if you take these these gyros full of mercury, they also generate electricity. So it, it becomes perpetual. They get everything going. They're using the, the, the same thing. It's like plutonium, but it's even richer. It's unstable. The U-113, they're using the helium to cool the, the superconductors. If you remember back in the 80s, they were having contests on superconductors, and they were getting rewards. Well, that they were trying to make things better. Because that damn thing almost killed me, and, and they had to get a computer that was fast enough to slow it down. And they have that now. Now, this thing with the gyros and everything, it gets going. Like I said, it, it gets perpetual. We get it going to forty to 50,000 RPMs, these three gyros, and through harmonics or whatever you want to call it, uh, vibration, we get the thing to go. It, it levitates, and it, it works just like a, the, if, you, if you remember back in, when I was in high school, they showed a bicycle wheel, a guy, and, and it was on a pedestal that rotated. They tap one elbow, he goes one way, tap the other elbow, he goes the other Well, guess what happens, folks? You get to spin fast enough, and you tap it up. And you're saying that you go about what percentage of speed of light? I went 85 to 86% of light speed. We're talking about close to 160,000 miles per hour. Then explain That's, to me the amount right. of Gs and how do you mitigate the Gs that could kill you? Sir, I was out for a whole hour. After I came back, miraculously, I don't know how I did that. Like I said, I had to jog it, otherwise I passed out again. I made it back. I refused to fly the damn thing till they fixed it. But there's something, obviously, there's some plasma field around it where you don't feel the speed, because otherwise, at that speed... Oh, that's, that, 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 that works to some degree, but there's limits to everything. It knocked me up from the G-forces. I felt like a pancake for a week thereafter, and it, it did a lot of damage. I, I was bleeding and everything internally, plus all the aches and pains everywhere else. So how did you not pass out then if you were piloting the ship? The thing was on computer control. Like oh, I see. You, you, you tell the computer what to do and it does it. So basically you, you input the coordinates and it takes you? That's correct. And how long did it take for you to, well, I guess if, if you multiply 160,000 miles per hour from here to Jupiter, how long did it take? I was gone three hours. I went past Jupiter and back. I don't know how far past Jupiter I went before I got the thing turned around. I know that I almost hit another moon or planet. I came within 100 feet of it or so. And, it, it, and looking at it, it kind of looked like Pluto. I don't know if I was out there in the Kyber Belt where I was. Hell, I was scared to death. I'm out of control and trying to get this thing pointed back at least towards Earth. I couldn't even see Earth. The sun was a dot. I go headed it back to the sun, and I started looking for something blue, and I finally saw a blue crescent off in the distance to my left, and home. I'm here. I made it. How many people operate the TR-3B? In other words, how many people were with you? Just you? No, I had a crew, but I was the only guinea pig. Okay, so how, how many people go in each flight? How many people do we have in each TI-3B? One. one. The larger triangle, the one they saw down there in Phoenix, only takes two people to operate that. It's the cryogenerators and stuff like that. And that one won't go into outer space. It could, but it, 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 
it'd be a one-way trip. They have no way of returning. Okay, you brought up the Phoenix Lights. Are mm-hmm. the are these ships the same? Because the ones I've seen above seem smaller. They have they have a large version and a small version. Like I said, they only had one large version and one small version when I was doing it, and it, can, it takes about seven years. But it, or I don't know if they've got that plus or minus, but whatever you do the math, how many do they have now? What did we see in Phoenix in 1997? It was a, a blimp and. Spaceship combination, it's carbon fiber. The uh, wing sections are full of helium to make it lighter. The the engines are uh, the same thing. Uh, they're, they're gyros, and they, they cool it with the, the, the helium. Was it a mistake what we saw there? In other words, they weren't prepared to show that to us, and they had to reverse and say that they were, there were you know, flares from the Earth. Oh, this was, was after my time, and they obviously, so whoever was flying, it screwed up. Okay. They weren't supposed to go that far. They were not supposed to show us the technology, is what you're saying. That's correct. And it was built just to scare the crap out of people. You see something a, over a quarter mile wide going across the sky that you've never seen before like that, it, it kind of gets your attention, too. And that was the idea. The TR-3B, where are they deployed? In other words, do you, are you on an airport somewhere in a base? Do you take off like a plane and then just, you know, go fast terminal velocity and escape the planet? How does that work? Well, everything was done at night from, from Earth. We'd, we'd leave at night, we'd come back at night. Uh they they could do it in broad daylight on, right under your nose and you wouldn't see it. They can bend light to where you uh, to cover it up like it's kind of like a cloaking device, but it's not the best way to describe it. Is they take the picture on one side and photo, uh, photograph it and then project it on the other. Uh-huh. But Einstein worked to where they bend light around the sun and stuff like a star. They they can do that and they're they're using magnetism. The, the 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 power of gravity. They're not telling you that that, that that it's one hell of a force, and it's probably the biggest force in nature. It, they just don't understand it, uh, or they they're not telling the public what they do understand, because that, that's basically how the TR three works with the gyros and everything, and uh, the cryonics. It, it it defies everything. You mentioned gravity. This is something mm-hmm. nobody has been able to replicate. No. Well, they can, but the, it it it's hard to explain. It, it it like I said, best way to describe it, there is no such thing. But the Earth sucks. Uh, it it I cannot describe it, and uh, it's not an easy thing to talk about. It, it but it's extremely powerful. And they're not telling you the truth in that the universe and the expansion it is accelerating. It is already going faster than the speed of light, so they're not telling people the truth that yeah, we can go faster than the speed of light. It's just you don't see it when it exceeds light uh, speed, it disappears. And it things that are going beyond light speed will start to appear. It, it it's weird. How do you explain all that? I don't know, I, but I've seen all this, and you know, I I, I was just kind of like a recording up there, and I brought all this information back to all these gurus, and they're still probably hacking it out. But I was... Where else did you go? I've been on just about every solid body there is in our solar system. 
Okay, let's go step by step. Tell me, tell me one of them. Well, I know one of them they sent me to that was supposed to be a dead, dry planet. Something there got on my suit, and when I got back in the the, the ship and, and and changed out, the fumes or whatever off that suit damn near killed me. It made me sick. I got back. I ended up two weeks in quarantine and all the whole nine yards. So there's stuff out there that they're still trying to figure out. I, I you know, I was just the guinea pig. I, you know, I brought back rocks. I couldn't tell you what those rocks were. They can. And I said, well, this looks like a good rock. I have one here, there, 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 and put it in a box and brought it back. What kind of training, Bruce, did you have to go through to learn how to pilot these exotic uh, vessels? Oh, my God. Well, that'd be rigorous. Uh, let's say I've had more than one hard landing. But any one of those landings you walk away from is a successful landing. Uh, It isn't the flying that kills you, it's the sudden stop. How many types of uh, exotic vessels did you pilot? A bunch. Aside from the TR-3B, what else did you fly? I've flown uh, experimental jet types, uh, like, like... the, the F-22 and stuff. I, I, I was in developmental on a whole bunch of things, from jets all the way to space. And from the ones that actually go from Earth to space without the assistance of a rocket? Well, Jack Johnson and a few others with uh, with the X-15 program. Matter of fact, he's living in uh, not too far from me. And a matter of fact, out of the original 12 of my team, or the team that I worked with, we all worked together, uh, there's four of us left, and they all live up there within 30 miles of where I'm at. I feel like I've been corralled, and there's a lot of other strange people up there, too. So, But I love it up where I'm living because of the, uh, I don't have to put up with the crap that I, I, I've been forced to deal with. And it's hard to escape reality when when they pick on you. Constantly, they threaten you. They warn you. They've screwed up my records. I'm not getting the medical treatment. I deserve nothing. Your DD-214, does it show your exact... um... Only my military stuff that I did in the Navy, and even half of it has been scrubbed. All the times in combat where I got shot up, all that has been destroyed. Now, why that? I, I I can see, Bruce, why they would scrub the more exotic parts... But why the combat? Because it all ties together in the beginning when I started the special ops. They chose me. They chose me. I was chosen probably way before I even went into the military. They've been watching me all along. And that's because my father... uh, had, over in Roswell, stood guard over something that was very sensitive. Then he told me it stunk and made him sick, and it was horrible. And you know what I'm talking about. You're talking about the craft that crashed in That's 47? Correct. Yeah. And we've done a lot of reverse technology, and that's how we've developed this stuff. We've done it on our own. We, we're not as dumb as people think. It's just that they've been controlling us. They use drugs. They use supplemental hits, everything to snowball the public. They lie. They cheat. They rob us. Uh, it's horrible. What did your father, well, first of all, your father worked with which, what 
what government? He was a Marine. He was in Marine. World War II. He served in the Pacific Theater, and he's from the West Coast. And he was over here before he was discharged. He went through that Roswell deal. Okay, now, can you explain what you mean, what he went through in the Roswell deal? I am just finding out the truth about my father, myself, and figuring it out, and what was why they picked on me, and why they know so much about me, and why they did to me what I did, because they knew more about me than I knew about myself before I even did anything. And they knew right where to push me. Okay, so can you tell us more about what your father learned on Roswell? Like I said, he kept it secret and horrible. All all he ever told me, I stood guard over some bodies that stunk. They were not of this world, and it was horrible. He said he puked for a week. See, how how do we really know they were not from this world? They didn't look like us. They were smaller, bigger heads, small body. They were all tore up. They had to gather them up. He was part of the South where they went up and picked all that stuff up and had to guard it. I don't know. He, he went, They did the same thing to him that they did to me. They probably hypnotized him, sold him pentothal, tortured him, threatened to kill everybody in his family and friends and all this other stuff, and him last. They're horrible. They're diabolical. Bush is ruthless. Yeah, but this is prior to Bush. This is during That's Prescott Bush time. Bush is as, was as old as my father or older, and he, he was in World War II, and he's the one that did all this stuff and kept the Nazi stuff going. Okay, now r- explain that, because Bush, 41, senior, he was yeah. allegedly shut down in the Pacific. Yeah. What did he have to do with all of this? Well, he's always been up there and part of uh, knowing what's going on. He wanted to know everything, you know, and and he got involved on all this. You'd have to talk to him. It's before my time. All I know is what has happened to me since I've met him up to now. And all, all this other stuff is speculation and hearsay. I don't know, but I'm figuring it out. When did you meet Bush for the first time? And where? In Beeville, Texas. And that was uh, late seventies, all the way through the early eighties. Uh, there, I uh, was learning how to land my SR seventy one on uh, aircraft carriers, and I was also going into advanced training there at NASA. Wait a second, you say you saying that you could land an SR seventy one in an aircraft carrier? I'm the only one that I know of that ever did it. Yeah, there's all kinds of spectacular things that I've done that they be raced because I'm just an ordinary dude, but I'm kind of a smooth operator. I'm good mechanically. And, uh, you know, you're looking at the back of an aircraft carrier, you're going to plow into it or land the daggum thing, and you, you get good at it. it. It scares the hell out of you. Anybody that thinks that that's easy is nuts. But the SR-71 SR is huge. Well, it's only 507 feet long by 55. It grows <laughs> 7 inches by 5 inches in flight. That's what I'm saying. How do you land that thing on an aircraft carrier without... It had, they put a hook on mine. Mine was a little bit modified. You know, they, they first built that thing back for me in, in 75, and it was tailor-seated and everything to me, and they, they put a more advanced engine, blah, blah, blankety-blank, and they kept upgrading it. That titanium doesn't get 
uh, flimsy when it, it heats up. It gets harder and stronger. So the aircraft gets better with age. They just got to improve the engines, and they did. Okay, now explain something to me, because if I am not mistaken, supposedly the last, the, the, this, the, uh, the, the SR-71 Blackbird was retired in 1968, but you said that you broke a speed record in 1990. Explain that, please. That's correct. Yeah, well, they retired it from the Air Force, and this is one I tell people that I flew the last flight, where they get really confused. They say, well, they retired it back in such and such a time. But if you, back in 1990, they flew the SR-71 across the United States to set the check record to officially retire it. I was the pilot. Our SS officer was Joe Buck. They gave credit to him back in 1990 because I didn't retire till 92. I still had two years to go, and it would have blown my cover. I had 200 people working underneath me at the ship. They didn't know what I was doing. My wife never even knew what I was doing. And when I told them all, they said, bullshit. Well, I did it, folks. Now, why are you speaking out now? I have been in fear of my life, all the things they've done. They've messed with my wife. They've programmed her. To de- everything I do or say to make sense, uh, she'll do just the opposite. Uh, it, it, but I, I know what it was. I was there during one of the programming, so I know what's going on. Uh, they've dinked with me all along every few months to do it. And now they're doing it through home security, not the CIA. Uh, I, I, the people tell me what's going on, the little birdies. You know, John Pigeon, Bill Schrader didn't save my life for nothing. I'm here for a reason. I don't know why, and maybe this is it. And this stuff should get out now, before the elections. My God, Hillary, if people knew where she got her money and, and, and what Bill and her really stand for. Yeah, she's a perfect presidential candidate, if you like murder, extortion, and all that other stuff. She used well, to work with Noriega. <laughs> Jesus. We, don't get me involved in politics. I don't <laughs> like none of them. They own their own little private island. That they are convenience marriage, always have been. I feel sorry for Chelsea because they had to create her somehow because they didn't want to. Uh, they, they go to the island, and he's a pervert. Uh, Bill don't like nothing over 13. I don't think it matters what gender. Uh, you know, the Noriegas, look at where they got their money. Who's, uh, in your opinion, who's uh, Chelsea's real father? I don't think he's Bill Clinton. I have no idea. She she might be a test tube baby, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. You know, it's diabolical in ours. They are, and as much crap and and wool that they pull over people, who knows? Because with money, you can buy any daggum story you want. Well, there are many images. I'm not saying that what you see on the Internet is true. But if you look on the internet, her real, uh, the alleged real father, you can see the similarities between Chelsea and Webster Hubble. And really, I don't think it was Bill Clinton. But anyway, that's beyond the point. Politics, don't get me going there. I think this country's being ran by career criminals, perverts, and it's horrible. The Bushes and the Clintons, do you think they're one of the same? Yes. It's all about money. Money talks bullshit walks. If there any money comes out of this for me, I don't want it. I'm going to give it right back to the vets and the people who deserve it. 
Don't give me your money because they'll they'll take it from the people that don't deserve to have it taken from. And they'll go off to their next banquet or party where they make all their real decisions and have fun and and laugh all the way to the But let me ask you this. I don't mean to get political here. This is the last thing I wanted to do on this talk. But since you're mentioning the Clintons, what's your take on Trump then? How would a Trump presidency look like? Well, he can't be bought, and and that's a huge advantage right there. But he has little or no experience with with these these uh, evil people, and I don't know. You know, he learned the hard way in the real estate, so he has a taste of it. But we need a good person up there that cares, that isn't afraid to do something about all this evil. Look what they did to me. I will never get the gratitude, or, or I, hopefully. Someone will give me the credit for something that I really did. They don't want to pay me for because I did this stuff. They don't want to do nothing. They don't want the world to know because it's so controversial. Tell me some of the things that the government has done to you. Uh, well, they broke my neck twice. Uh, I've been refused all kinds of medical treatment. For, for how? how? Really okay, step me. by step. Step. Is, how did they break your neck twice without dying? They have a trained professional. This happened in the Philippines, a a kung fu artist. They drug you, they hypnotize you, and they stand you up in a row. There were nine of us that they did the day that they did it to me. It was in the Philippines. And they get up there and said, well, you're not to divulge all these things that you did. And this is a reminder that uh, not to do it, and they break your neck. Whoop de doo. Yeah, that's the government for you. And they don't tell people about this thing. I've been I've had my neck broke, I've been beaten, I've been drugged, I've had been forced to do things against my will. You name it. All the worst things to to, to break a person's morale and and humiliate them. I've had it done to me. And those people laugh all the way to wherever they go and, and think it that I'm a trophy to them. I this country could never repay me for the harm that those bastards have done to me. Okay, so they broke your neck once in the Philippines. What happened the second time? And when? They did it again. Same place, later on. And why did they do it again? Were you talking? They thought I was going to, and they had me do some more sensitive things, and this was a reminder not to do whatever extra that I had done to forget about it. Can you name some of the things that you did throughout your career because it would be so incriminating and controversial like i said manturian candidate yes they can and that's all i will say okay so let me be specific then can you just tell us more of what you can discuss that won't put you in danger or that you won't be breaking any oaths well i already have i don't know but uh, some of the things that, that they force people to i'm not the only one there were 12 of us in the beginning, and there's four of us left. And this is over a 50-year period. How many other goons or goonies, whatever you want to call us, have they created? And what diabolical crap are they making them do like a cyborg or a robot? What's in store for the future for humanity? If we don't go back to telling the truth, justice in the American way, like we should be, we will reap our consequences. Well, that's, that hasn't to. been happening, in my opinion, since they shot J.F. Kennedy. And not that he was a saint, because he was not. 
No, nobody is. Nobody's perfect. The only man I know that was perfect, we crucified him. So what does that say for the rest of us? So what's in store for us if we don't change our ways, which I don't think... Self-destruct. We are a product of our own... You reap what you sow. If you're going to do evil, you'll die by evil. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. You're supposed to moderate. The straight and narrow means, you know, no evil, but don't do it. Try to do right. Too much of one thing will kill you. Not enough of it will kill you. Moderate. Technology-wise, Bruce. Moderate. Tell the truth. Well, technology, to uh, in an enemy's point of view, uh, the one that is most technical wins. So there are some technologies that if, so to speak, the enemy knew, they could take advantage of it and use it against us. But we've been dumb in trying to share some of our technology, like what's going on in the Middle East. We know went over there to help them wipe out the Russians, taught them all these evil things to do, and now they're using it on us. Okay, but Apollo 20, when you went up to the moon, what year was that? They've scrubbed all these exact things out of me. Why don't you ask that Russian? He knows more about it than I do, because you know what they did to make me forget. But that would and be probably, it, if we could estimate, that would be probably early 70s, correct? Uh... Well, I, I went in in 72. I, it, it was probably around 76, 77. It would be my best guess. Okay, 77. So if we have technology, and then the TR-3B, you flew it what year, more or less? Well, they started it in development in the mid-70s, and they didn't perfect it. So I was flying it uh, from the late 70s all the way to 92. So what kind of technology do you think we have today? Well, what I knew, I was 30 years above the public, and that's just coming out now. And uh, so talk about it and tell the world about it. But uh, And I did it. They're 30 years ahead of us. How far? I don't know. They got, probably got some other idiot or uh, something up there with the spacecraft going further, faster, whatever. I, I had... Uh, a person that informs me of a little bit of what's going on, I get little bits and pieces of it, that they have exceeded uh, Warp 10 now. So take that for what, what, it's only hearsay, but I heard they did that. Have we visited anything outside of our solar system? Yes, we have. We've been taken there. Where and what did we find? Thanks for listening to the first part of another installment of Fox Populi. To listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com and click on members. Or if you're not a member, just subscribe. We'll take a quick intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the member section. Enjoy. <laughs>